Well, hello and welcome to the Leverage 3 Podcast. This is the show that helps you leverage the talent and tactics of high performers. I'm Craig Shoemaker and today's guest is Kieran Drew. Kieran is a dentist working 90 hours a week in a nondescript office building, working to make your world-class smile a reality. Uh, okay, actually, none of that is true. Kieran, welcome to the show. <laughs> Hello, mate. That's the first, uh, first intro I've heard like that. <laughs> <laughs> So one of the things that I think is most compelling about what you've, like, you've had an incredible journey, say, in the last 18 months. And I was wondering if maybe you could help recap and retell some of your story and your journey that you've been through in, in this last, like, year and a half. Yeah, absolutely. Well, um, just to clarify, I'm not, uh, I'm not really giving people dream smiles anymore, but I <laughs> did, did used to be a dentist. So, um, you know, over the past couple of years, I have kind of transitioned from uh, drilling teeth uh, for a living to writing words and it all sort of kicked off uh for me around covid time where basically um b before covid uh, i was working kind of six days a week uh, in a job that i didn't really enjoy with the idea that you know if you work really hard now you might be financially free in about 20 years and you know it seemed like a, a sound plan i didn't really think like a lot of people that there was a way out of current career i'd already spent like 10 years in it and then COVID hit and like a lot of people, we suddenly had a lot of time. And that time gave me a pause to reflect and realize that like, this is just one of the most stupidest ways to live, right? Just trying to like, <laughs> hoping you'll be happy in 20 years, um, all for kind of a number on a screen. So I decided that got to, got to escape. And that kind of moment happened when someone sent me Naval Ravikant's podcast and I realized there was a whole opportunity online um, to take advantage of. And unfortunately, I, I just didn't have any skills. <laughs> And, and so, uh, it's just it a small problem. Yeah. Tiny one, tiny one. And so like, it's been a very iterative process from there of, uh, you know, exploring curiosity, uh, basically failing in, in pretty much everything I tried, uh, and more recently kind of successfully getting the business up and running. So I think this transition that, that I've talked to a number of different people about going from a nine to five into the creator economy, into a solar entrepreneurship type of situation is fascinating because I, it, it, there's a stage in your life right now where I don't think you have like kids that you have to support. Like, you know, there's like less um, stuff that you have to think about in, in terms of, of overhead, but that doesn't take away from the fact that deciding that you're going to step away from this sort of master plan that you had makes it any easier. So what was that like emotionally for you to go through that process? Yeah, it, it was pretty tough, to be honest. I mean, there's a lot of self-doubt, particularly at the start, because what happens is you have you have a goal that you want, you know, like everyone wants to be free, everyone wants to be happy and successful, but the problem is getting there. Uh, for the most part, it requires a lot of struggle and a lot of sacrifice. And there's that point where, and it can be quite a prolonged period where you, know, you have what Seth Godin calls the dip, right? Where you're working hard, but you're not getting any results. And emotionally, that's probably the most draining part. So, um, you know, I, I was still working. I don't, I don't have kids, thankfully. And that made it easier. <laughs> um, I have. I always tell people, like, please don't read my emails if you have families and stuff, because I do live a very privileged <laughs> life. But I will say that as a dentist, you know, I, I was working uh, two jobs. So it was 50, 60 hours a week, every week. And so there was very actual little time to make stuff happen. Uh, and so that was a little bit draining, mate. But there was also kind of the, the positive of it because you 
forget how exhausting it is turning up to a job without any hope as well. It's kind of chronic mm. wearing down and thinking, what am I doing? And like listening to podcasts of people doing what you want to do, but not actually taking action of it. So it was kind of like um, choosing the suffering that, that you pick. And, and obviously right. this one, at least there's hope at the, the, light, the end of the tunnel. Um, so yeah, it's been a bit of an emotional roller coaster, to be honest, mate. But and and it, you've really parlayed it into an incredible amount of success, and 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 I think, it, you know, your the progression that you've made has really been in the in the copywriting realm, and you have a lot to share from there. I've I've taken your course, and we'll, we'll get to this. One of the things that I was really excited about was the fact that I got so much more out of it than I was ever expecting, which was just a really cool experience to be in. But I kind of feel like your superpower is copywriting but more specifically it's it's really storytelling yeah yeah i mean copywriting to me is, is more of a tool than a profession so uh, i mentioned i've been exploring my curiosity and i actually started up uh, started up with stand-up comedy and then i found writing and then i i actually hated copywriting when i first found it i was like this just feels really sleazy but <laughs> then i realized that you know if you actually want to communicate you know communicate your ideas online you need to be able to get to do it in a way that people pay attention to. And I, I realized that if you wanted to be a creator, then one of the key tools you need is copywriting. Uh, mm. But that did evolve into storytelling when I when I realized that, that basically online, every niche is saturated, the internet's getting busy and everyone's kind of showering over each other trying to be better when the reality is storytelling slices through the noise. And so right. if you can kind of learn to tell a story about yourself, but actually about your reader through what you're up to. Uh, it's really, really powerful. And yeah, I, I started doing it last year. So I actually monetized last year in, in like two weeks time. And I've been telling a story ever since. And yeah, it's, it's been going pretty well. So I don't shut up about storytelling really when I'm, when I'm writing my emails in particular. <laughs> All right, let's, can I put you on the spot? Let's workshop this a little bit, okay? So, What's an experience that you've had today that you can help turn into a story? And I think the key is, and, and you tend to do this really well, is to make it relevant to your audience. So there's always stuff going on. How do you make that transition in your head to, to make it something that is worthwhile telling? Yeah. Okay. So you, you want me to start with the story or how I would think of it or... So let's, first, let, let's talk about the experience. Like what's, what's something okay. interesting that happened to you today that you can use? All right. Well, I'll, I'll start with the caveat that I don't actually live a very interesting life Monday to Friday. <laughs> uh, it really is just right. Um, and then kind of move on. Uh, I guess the only thing that, that sort of happened today was that I'm, I'm currently building a product and there's been a lot of friction and a lot of resistance that I did not expect when I came to build this product. And so I have been doing the classic kind of procrastination by doing everything else but building product. <laughs> and so, you recognize it. <laughs> yeah, for sure. I know what's happening, but it doesn't help. And so right. if I wanted to turn that into a story for my audience, um, you know, which would be a very useful newsletter because well, one thing that I like to do, Craig, is um, I don't really like to, help, to tell people how to do stuff. It's more like what I'm up to and, and, and what's working. So I could say something along the lines of, um, and it's actually what I'm doing now is, is if you have something that you want to build, but it's kind of outside of your comfort zone and quite challenging, the problem is that you, you'll, you'll just kind of move on to easier pastures. Your brain isn't designed to be uncomfortable. 
And so like, for example, I'm trying to build my product and then I would tell the story, um, you know, going through my struggle saying that every day that I sat down to write, I would find myself messing with my morning routine and sending uh, messages and looking at my to-do list. And it's the most productive, but not productive I've ever been. So it's a bit of humor and right. stuff. And then I would always pivot into the point, right? Which is the most important part because we share stories for the lessons. And, you know, there's a great saying where it's like, no point should be made about a story and no story should be made about a point. And so my point here would be like, look, the answer to this sort of procrastination is a tight deadline. Because if I say I'm going to release this product in August, I'll release it in August. But if I say I'm going to release it in a month's time, I can't have the luxury of procrastinating anymore. Right. And so it's kind of like this inverse Parkinson's law. And then people would probably find that quite useful. So you kind of dip into this a little bit. I was curious, you talked a bit about your systems and particularly how you sort of look at, you know, metrics and on Twitter and things that work, but what's working for you right now? Yeah. Uh, in terms of actual growth, um, I'm, I'm kind of in a bit more of a privileged position because, uh, I, I'm ahead of, uh, of a lot of people. So pretty much I'm not in like a bad way, but like, I don't have to defer, worry so much about tactics. I'm more focused right. on long-term strategy. Um, but I would say, and I say this to every single person that asks me what to do on Twitter, the one thing that that's helped me, uh, keep up my engagement because a lot of people got hit really hard over the past three, four months, mine got better. And I think the reason, the main reason is because I tell a story every day and the reason why this is important, Craig, is because people follow people and I, th I feel like the more little details I can share about myself, it, uh, the kind of personal brand you're building is like a puzzle, right? And the content mm -hmm. and the pieces that they put together. And so the more little details I can share about myself, the more someone feels closer to me. So the more likely they are to comment on, on, on my stuff. And right now commenting is very big on Twitter uh, in right. terms of the algorithm. And so, uh, what I'm trying to move away from, or at least get a good blend of is to stop kind of shouting from the podium, like with my platitudes, but instead having a conversation and treating people like people, uh, the good bit is when you're doing that, you can also just mix up a bit of both. And so what, what I like to do uh, quite often, Craig is let's say I have a platitude that goes well, that platitude then becomes a story. And if the story goes right. well, that story then becomes a platitude. So uh, I'm letting kind of the results guide my future content. Uh, okay. and then the usual of, of kind of every week I have a review where, you know, the best content goes into what I call a hall of fame. And, uh, then I can use that as inspiration to write my next sort of eight tweets because then I'm letting my audience's attention guide my own. So it's quite a cool feedback loop. Right. That's awesome. Yeah. It, it's good when you have the engagement to go off of, to be able to tell, okay, people are actually interested in this and they want to hear more or they want to hear it a different way oftentimes as well. Yeah, I mean, this is my favorite part about Twitter really is that particularly when you've got thousands and thousands of people watching, you can get this live feedback loop that's, that's really powerful. So I won't write a newsletter or an email or a thread that I haven't pre-validated with a tweet because right. it just makes sense. Um, so yeah. that's my favorite part about it. And now that I'm starting to redistribute to other social media channels, uh, it feels a little bit like cheating because I've just got like 5,000 tweets that I know work and, 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 you know, I can just sort of sift through and, and start piecing them together that way. So, right. So do you use this part of your system as well to help inform the products that you build? Uh, not so much actually, Greg, uh, what the way I'm working for products and you obviously know more than me in this, 
I'm very clear on this, the story that I'm telling to my reader, you know, the point A to point B and the point B in, in my brand instance is digital freedom. And so what I've just done is I've worked backwards to identify the core roadblocks. And I do this for all my content as well, by the way. Um, you know, I have the four core issues that my audience experience. I make sure that I'm building solutions for those. So, mm -hmm. you know, you mentioned you've taken my free courses. They're designed to, to be kind of solving problems there. Um, and then my new product is more, and what I'm working on is, is kind of transformational based as opposed to just useful. So my current product is like a swipe file, which is pretty handy. There's some useful stuff in there. Um, I'm grateful to say 700 people have downloaded it. The new one is more, I want to take people just like me um, to where I am by writing online. So it's a bit more of like a step-by-step -step blueprint. So that that transformation is is key. And, and I think that's one of the things that oftentimes when, when people are trying to do a course or, or write online, they, they forget about that part. They're just like, I have all this information and I want to express it in a way that's useful, um, but they don't necessarily dial in to, to that transformation. Um, and so you, you're kind of going through these different avenues in, in order to, to produce stuff. And, and one of the things that you tweeted about, I think even today was reputation over revenue. And then you've also talked about learning to productize your process. And I'm just curious, how do you balance those two? Because they kind of feel like they sit on two sides of the same spectrum. Yeah, sure. So I'm a huge believer over this, um, about reputation over revenue. And so I'll kind of explain why and then, and then how we can do that practically. The, when I first wanted to monetize on Twitter, I followed all of the, the usual advice you would see, right? Which is, you know, construct a killer offer, get ready to send a thousand DMs, all these little things. And the problem with most of these ideas is that they're short-term tactics that are focused on making money. The problem with that, Craig, is that it's a very uh, downstream approach to how you can build your creator business, i.e. you're targeting the people who are ready to pay. But people are ready to pay when they have a problem that needs solved and that they trust that you can be the person to solve it for them. And so what I thought was, well, if we move away from revenue and move into a position where we're kind of creating those problems that need solved by releasing a lot of free products that help people along their journey, therefore building trust, i.e. we're now focusing on building a reputation, then what happens is instead of trying to capture demand, you're creating it. And what you get there, mate, is more compounding factors. So yes, if I wanted to make money, I could then go and compound that money by investing it in Vanguard or whatever, which is like our UK stocks thing. Um, but when you're optimizing for revenue, you get relationships, which compound. So, you know, followers go into fans. You also get audience growth, which compounds because I get told constantly, I should be making much more from my audience and that I should be charging for what I create. But the, these kind of assets, so I have like eight video courses for free, a newsletter that I've now sent over a million emails uh, to and these aren't revenue building assets, they're reputation building assets. And because I have been optimizing for a different goal, I suddenly have, you know, 140,000 followers. Um, you know, my name is kind of <laughs> mentioned. Quite, yeah, you know, I get told, like, where did you come from? And it's like, don't worry, I've been chipping away in the background for a long time. <laughs> right. Um, and, and so like, what this boils down to, mate, is money now versus money later to me. And a lot of people get stuck in this short-term making money approach, but the internet, the whole thing about the internet is digital leverage. 
yeah, and, and it can scale exponentially. And so I think most people were better off taking advantage of the scale as opposed to just trying to make money from uh, one-on-one clients. Uh, right. In terms of how that would look practically, mate, obviously I'm not suggesting everyone just stop making money and we all sing Kumbayas and all that stuff. Um, <laughs> what I suggest to uh, people I work with is that first off, you you want to keep your revenue generating tactics to a minimum so that you can maximize building an audience the right way, i.e. creating better content than most people's paid stuff. Uh, you know, high quality video courses, lots of lead magnets, lots of giveaways, a great newsletter. And then depending on your time frame for monetization, I would release a product. Uh, and, and so I, I've laid this out step by step for some people, but if we just put it tangibly, I would say like, look, 10, mo- 10 months building a reputation, two months creating and releasing a product. The reason why I say product over a service is because once that product is built, there's no need for extra fulfillment. When people buy, you don't do any extra work you will make less money. But the whole point is that the product is just a net to start capturing some of the demand that you've created with your reputation. And then what I would do is just do it again. Spend 10 months focusing on reputation because then I guarantee that you're you're getting the compounding effect in, in more ways than one. Uh, I'm experiencing it right now. It, it, it just stuff starts taking off. Mm. And then what you do at the end of that 10 months is you build another product. And now you have two. And, and, and you know, it's just a game to play that it's not for everybody. So, you know, like JK Molina would tell me I'm an idiot and, you know, like likes in cash. <laughs> but in my opinion, if you kind of set it up right, likes are very much our cash. And, and it depends on if you're focused on helping people, like helping your audience win. And the, again, this is where the transformation comes in. This would appeal, or my business model would appeal to someone that is freedom focused and someone that enjoys writing and someone that is very happy to delay gratification and focus on helping other people win. Uh, and so when I say it, some people get annoyed by it, but there are a certain group of people that are like, actually, I love that approach because right now, for example, I mean, I write three, four hours a day. I hit the gym. You know, I do that whole cliche writer entrepreneur life, right. Um, right. pop on calls. And, and, and to me, you say I should be making more money for my audience. I'm making what I need. Like this, this feels like right. wealth. Right. Yeah. I, yeah. I just had an interview with uh, Tyler Tote where we talked about the whole kind of rat race and trying to keep up with everything and, and really having what you need. Um, so I, I think hearing those messages is really important in light of all of the different messages that we often get through social media and media in general. So that, that's really cool. Yeah. You know, you're, you're talking about the different approaches towards building an audience and how to monetize them. And it's interesting because I was, I was taking my son to school this morning and I was describing to him, uh, a, a little bit about you and that we were going to have this conversation. Hi, Jacob. And, you know, I, I was telling him that you have this incredible following, but I feel like you've done it in such a way that it's it's remained in context so that when people follow you, they're very clear on, on the, the type of content that you put out, the stories that you tell, and you've been consistent about that for such a long time. So I think there's, would you say that there's a balance between the, the, like St. Cash versus playing the long game. Yeah, sure. Yeah. And it really depends on your your goals, right? So I actually did um, like a group coaching thing as well. And, and so there were different ways that I've tried monetizing. Uh, but but like I said, so, um, so can you reword the question for me? Uh, well, I was just saying, that, you know, you, you kind of juxtapose these two different positions, essentially yeah. in a business model to, to, to how to approach yeah, yeah, things. Yeah. 
so the, the way that I'm looking at it, mate, is that I would rather commit to helping people with their problems and then inviting them to invest when they're ready. Right. And making that decision has actually been very mentally relieving because like I said, I first came from the copywriting world. And if people don't know what copywriting is like, it's a bit like Vegas, right? There's a lot of money, <laughs> but after a couple of days, you're going to feel very dirty and you need a shower. And, and so... Um, <laughs> And so I was like, God, this just feels awful. Uh, I feel like a used car salesman with everything that they're suggesting. And what I realized, mate, is that um, a personal brand supersedes a lot of internet marketing advice where you spend a very long time building trust and a very long time proving that you're the person for them by sharing stories, by sharing your struggles, getting wins, uh, productizing your progress. And so it's actually a really nice position to just be like, look, here's all my free advice. And if you actually go implement what I'm saying, you could probably get pretty, pretty good. If I'm honest, you could probably do everything I've said. Um, but if you would like to get faster results or easier results, I have built something for you as well. And you're more than welcome to invest when you want. And I just feel like that attitude, when you kind of combine it with conversational copywriting, where you're like, actually, I don't really care if you want to give me your money or not. I'm just here to have fun and you can come join me. Uh, I feel like that's a great right. way to build your brand. Yeah. Yeah. That's w definitely way more relationship marketing and so much more welcoming. So you, you've given away incredible amount of information for free. You, like you said, you've had these courses, you have your newsletter. There's this I I, th I think Alex Ramosi probably is the one who popularized it, if not coined it, you know, but be, be so like afraid of what you're giving away from free. Like it should make you uncomfortable. Yeah. And so I, I'm curious from you, like th there's only so many tactics. There's only so many strategies. There's only so many uh, philosophies that a single person can accumulate and express, you know, effectively in a way that they can help reproduce in someone else. So if, Where's that borderline? Like, how do you decide, okay, this is the thing that's going to be in the paid thing. This is the thing that's going to be in the free thing. And how often are you feeling that uncomfortable about it? Yeah, I, I didn't actually feel uncomfortable. I, I've actually tweeted this as well. It's like, if, if, if you're not uncomfortable with the amount of stuff you're giving away, you're not giving away enough. Um, it has a nice ring to it, right? Um, right. I already knew that I was planning on giving away as much as possible. Uh, the way that I approach the free content though, Craig, is that I'll not make sure, but my, the production value isn't as high as what it could be. I haven't put as much thought. So actually, if you look at my free courses, there's usually one word per slide and I just riff. Right. There's, there's very little planning behind it. The way that I see paid stuff is that, oh, sorry, let's rewind a bit. Uh, I use my newsletter and my free products to put out frameworks and see what people think. And so when it starts coming back to me, like for example, um, the three pillars of magnetic writing, like when that starts coming back to me, I'm like, okay, people like this stuff. And, and right. so what will happen is like in my new product, I'll take the, the, the magnetic writing, which we can get into. And instead of just being like, you know, what I've said and everything else from like, oh, advice, storytelling, personality, I'm going to go through 200 tweets and explain how to do it and give templates and show examples and go through other people's content and give them frameworks to think, well, what is my personality? What is the actionable advice I'm trying to give? And so uh, what Homoji says is that you want to be free of information, expensive for implementation. 
And so what the way I view it is that when I build something paid, like I mentioned before, it's a clear step-by-step, you buy this, you don't need to go consume anything else. And I'm going to walk you through. Gotcha. So that's awesome. And, and one of the things I think I mentioned this before was I took one of your courses and I'm watching it and I'm realizing like I came for copywriting. I came to learn how to be a better writer. I came for all these things. And then all of a sudden you started talking about these, the philosophy behind, you know, being a guide and not a guru and, and all of these different areas that were just above and beyond what I expe- had expected. And so did you do that on purpose? Did you hold that stuff back just so that Craig would be delighted as he's going through your course? Or like, how did you engineer that? I don't think it is quite on purpose, but it is an inbuilt character trait for me to have this habit of over-delivering. And it just played in really well when I started writing. Um, to It's like an ethos of mine, like it's written on my whiteboard. It just says over-deliver at every opportunity. And this actually stemmed back from when I was a dentist, mate, because nobody likes a dentist. And so um, <laughs> you're actually on the back foot from the start, right? Uh, right. And so like, I would make sure I was going above and beyond. And and quite often, Greg, it is, it's usually just the small things that people uh, re- really appreciate. So, mm-hmm. you know, um, like, for example, you, the course that you've taken, you, you're saying like, oh, I've over-delivered in the value, but the great bit is I only had to produce it once. So even if it's an extra 10 hours, you know, 20,000 people have downloaded that course. And so that's very, very powerful. Um, What, in terms of like engineering it, so the the kind of theory behind it is reciprocation, right? Um, Seth Godin once said that the aim is to delight your audience. And so when you build something, you want to make sure that they're blown away because then everything else you create is framed through what they downloaded before. Mm. So for example, you've very kindly said you, you liked my product. If I was to release a writing product, you might be like, right, I trust Karen because that was his right. free stuff. And um, the thing that most people don't realize is that firstly, positive word of mouth is very powerful, incredibly powerful. And so that habit of over delivering is how you generate it. But conversely, negative word of mouth, is a very big problem mm. because if you if someone goes through the effort for example giving you an email or even just liking and retweeting a thread so you can get this one of these auto dms right and it's shit excuse my language um <laughs> then that's it you you've completely blown the relationship they might go tell other people oh no i bought their product or i took this course and it was rubbish and this advice sucks and that's now working against you so in my opinion if you're not over delivering you're under delivering and then yeah, as always, um, if you're going to build a course, make a habit of giving more stuff than they expect. So if someone buys the lab, they get an email a day later with like a course on bios or whatever. And the thing is, it's very easy to do because what you just think is, right, I built a product, what else do they need to know? And then you give it to them for free. And the cool bit when you're building products and or even just creating content is, you know the story you're telling about your reader before they do. Mm. And so if I was to tell you, for example, I, I built something on how to decide your niche. You take that and go, that was awesome. Right? What the hell do I do with it? Like, oh, by the way, I've got something to help you build your audience. Like, wow, this guy really knows what I want. And then you just keep <laughs> following. Like, here's how you stand out and here's how you productize. So um, yeah, over-delivering in that way is a really cool thing because people are like, damn, this guy is useful. Uh, and I didn't expect it. Yeah, yeah. So I, a lot of that conversation, or I'd say that phenomenon where you can 
essentially repeat the words back that that hopefully your target market is already thinking. Um, that's easier when you have an audience. What advice might you give people to be able to try and pull that off when they're starting from a, a little bit of a lower level? Sure. So uh, with the caveat that there are many ways to do, to approach the online world, sure. I'll just tell you what worked for me. Uh, if you have a small audience, you don't really know what you're talking about, you don't really know what you want to talk about, the best thing you can do is kind of explore your curiosities in public. So I actually say like, don't pick a niche, right? Like let's just find some topics you enjoy right about and start making noise and listening for signal. And this is the audience first approach, right? And, and as a start point, because obviously that's, that's not really tangible. Uh, the theory that I work behind is kind of serve your shadow. So who were you six months ago, 12 months ago, two years ago? What's the biggest transformation you've had? Let's start writing about that. And then your gut will sort of tell you where to start and your audience will tell you where to go. And the more you help them and the more you show you care about their success, success, they'll show you that they care about yours. So the only reason I know my audience so well is because I've hopped on so many calls with them. I have like a 700 survey responses where people literally tell me their problems, which is just at the bottom of my email to say, hey, by the way, let me know how things are going. Right. So um, I would just take a bit of time, take off the pressure of like, oh, how am I going to monetize? How am I going to do this mm. and this thing? I'm just going to help the person I used to be and then listen right. to what the people say back to me. And when they tell me that problems, I'll build the solution. That's awesome. Yeah. And you've taken such a personal approach with things. Um, I don't know if you still do it. I remember at one point in your, your newsletter, you were asking anybody and everybody to reply to you. And you were like, I will reply back to you personally. Um, and then so there's yeah. also, do you still do it? That's awesome. Yeah, still reply, yeah. And, and then there's always the, the fun treat at the end to where you're taking your selfie and showing that off, which is uh, always something I look forward to. Yeah, it's um, one of my favorite ways to build a brand is to pay attention to what gets your attention. And so right. uh, there's a guy called Justin Goff, great email marketer. And I found that like, he's a great writer, but quite often I'd be reading his emails just to see his face at the bottom. And, <laughs> you know, he's, you know, he's like a, got a bold head, it looks quite funny, but like, uh, I don't know, I was like, this is quite interesting, maybe I'll start doing it. And it's these little kind of, perks or little kind of treats inside that what, what kind of Ben Settle calls like world building when someone joins my email list like this is different because I expect this and, and you'll notice I say the same jokes over and over and people right. like that familiarity feeling and so yeah. yeah like stuff like pictures at the bottom uh it really makes a big difference over time I believe that's awesome well, dude, you've given so much great content and great advice. One of the things that I like to do at the end here is give people three actionable things that they can kind of take away and run with. So if, if you were to sum it up or give us even something that you haven't talked about, what, what comes to mind for you? Uh, yeah, I mean, we could talk a little bit about the magnetic writing for one, one bit of advice. Um, yeah. So look, like online, the way that you become valuable is by creating value so the more value you create the more valuable you become that's what i say uh, and what is value well it's kind of uh, education entertainment and inspiration and so the what to kind of translate that into something more tangible education is actionable advice uh entertainment is personality and insp inspiration is storytelling and so what i do okay. to write is that cause I, i'm a huge fan of systems-based kind of actions uh Every single day, I will post one of the um, each of those tweets: storytelling, personality, and a bit of actionable advice. 
Because I know that if I do that every single day for a year, good things are going to happen, right? You're creating serendipity. You're increasing the surface area of, of luck in essence. So first and foremost, if you're not already, start writing and start posting three tweets a day based on three pillars of magnetic writing. You can go find more stuff on my newsletter. Um, the second thing would be, and again, obviously I'm a writer, so I'll probably stick in the writing side, uh, write to one person. <clears throat> Quite often, most negative kind of thoughts or beliefs around writing is because you are trying to entertain an audience as opposed to trying to help one person win. Mm. And, you know, you think you need to be an expert, but you don't, right? You just need to have useful advice and who can you help the most? Serve your shadow, the person you used to be. And so when you're creating content or when you're trying to build your business or trying to do anything really, make it simple by just, just zoning in on one person that you can help the most and, and trying to ignore the noise uh, around it. And the third point would be to take writing seriously mm. because online communication is key, particularly with the rise of AI and all that, you know, I get messaged daily on my, 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 my writing courses plug underneath my tweets. And then there'll always be someone going, you're screwed because chat GPT is coming. And I'm like, no, 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 <laughs> sorry. You're screwed because chat GPT is coming. <laughs> right. Um, there's never been a more important time to write well. And my biggest mistake early on was not taking the craft serious enough because the truth is, uh, only skill will set you apart. And as a creator, you're in the business of attention and all writing is, is, you know, how well you can hold attention and you're competing with short term, uh, short form videos and, and, and the like. So it's very, very hard. If you can write clearly, concisely and elegantly to one person about their problems, they will pay attention. So that means that if you want to launch a business, you solve their problems, they'll pay you money. And it all starts with writing well. Hey, thanks so much for being a part of the show. Let's continue this conversation. Feel free to connect with me on Twitter where I'm at Craig Shoemaker. So go out and have an amazing day. I hope you get a chance to find someone to love, find someone to forgive and find someone to encourage because we are most certainly not in this alone. And I'll see you again here soon on the Leverage 3 Podcast.